Welcome and thank you for joining us for this podcast series by IWN. For this inaugural podcast, we are honoured to have with us Bill and Lance as we share about experiences, motivations and vision behind IWN's efforts. I'm so glad we are actually in the same room together with Bill joining us today while he's right here in town in Singapore. Lance and Bill, you're both very busy people, yet you set aside time intentionally to focus on DNI. Bill, you're the executive sponsor for IWN, supporting many women's networks within Roche in the US and including Africa and APEC. This topic of DNI or promoting gender equality is no stranger to you. And Lance, inclusivity has always been a part of our DNA with APEC spirit. And now we're going to be even more intentional to shape our culture in 2022. So let me start with the first question. Why is this so important to both of you? Bill, could I get you to answer first and then we'll move on to uh, asking uh, Lance to answer. Sure. Thanks for inviting me, Agnes, and, and thanks to your, your colleagues in Asia who are uh, working on the uh, yeah on the, on this whole effort on DNI and across APAC. Um, yeah, I'd say for me it's an important topic for two reasons. One is in my career I've been in a lot of different uh, companies and different functions and different countries, and I know what it means to be an outsider and. Um, and I just so much appreciated the people who helped me, you know, feel welcome and included. And, and so I, I have that kind of that feeling about why it's so important. But even more than that, I, I just had an experience about 15 years ago. You know, I had, up until that point in my career, I had been mostly working in pretty male dominated environments. And I had a team that was all men that I was leading. And frankly, that it just wasn't, um, it wasn't a very creative team and we seemed to be stuck a lot. And then I noticed that there were some women who, who weren't on the leadership team, but were, you know, working for some of the leaders. And when they got involved, it seemed like we had breakthroughs and maybe I was sort of thick, but it finally occurred to me, you know, we're, we're lacking diversity. The reason we don't get creative ideas is because, you know, people aren't thinking differently in the room. And in that particular case, um, it was funny because then there was some turnover, some change, and, uh, and, and I got a more diverse team, and it was a lot better. And after that, I, I just it, – it's kind of like um, when I was a little kid, we had black and white television, and then when we got a color TV, it was a lot better. And, um, and I've just decided, you know, I'm not, I'm not going back. Uh, and I, I just think it's, it's a business imperative – that we, yeah, we need to have diverse teams. We get better answers. And frankly, it's, it's, it's a lot more of a positive experience. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Bill. How about you, Lance? It's an interesting question, Agnes. I think for me, a little bit like, like Bill, it's personal experience. Um, you know, I, I, most of my, as you know, most of my career in New Zealand, it was, we, we were diverse in terms of male, female, but a whole bunch of like thinkers in, in truth. Um, and it wasn't until I went to Thailand and I was the singular outsider and I had to learn just a whole new, a whole new rule set. And that opened up different ways of thinking that I had never even considered. And it was that sort of when the, 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 the light switch went on for me where I was sort of thinking, oh, gee, this is, this is rich having a different, and the way I describe it now is a different lens to look through, right? And being conscious of 
different groups of people think very, very differently because of their environment they've grown up in and and part of that is the cultural elements of that, obviously their values as individuals, but um, the experiences they've had as well. And being a significant minority or insignificant minority, maybe, you know, one non-Thai person in the Thai organization and living in this country that I couldn't speak the language and didn't know anything about until I landed was just a fantastic learning for me. And it just opened up the door of the value of different thoughts and really, that's been the start of that. And for me, that was was back in 2008. And that's been the journey ever since, sort of striving to understand the way different people think, depending on which lens you pick up. So, you know, now we've sort of learned a lot more. And, and to Bill's point, the lens of the female thinker is different to the lens of the male thinker, my default. And then there's the cultural diversities that come. Um, the lens of the Chinese origin cultures across Asia Pacific versus the Indian origin cultures, for example. Um, and you've got the Aussies and the Kiwis in there as well, from largely from Britain. But, you know, I, I just think it's become a fascination ever since. And um, if I think to all of the conversations that we've had as a leadership team over the years within APAC and just the value of having all of the different viewpoints around the table um, and some of the fantastic female leaders that we've had with huge amounts of experience, yourself as one of them being a, a, a case in point, the richness that comes with that, making sure we unlock it is key, but just the value is, is you can't compare it. So for me, it's, it, it is the topic and it manifests itself in all sorts of different ways, including how we identify and develop talent as well across the Roche organization. Thank you, Lance. What about you, Agnes? You, same question to you. <laughs> All right. So why is DNI so important for me? Um, well, being an Asian woman, um, this topic is so is so close to me, and I think it also uh, resonate a lot with my own personal, you know, life purpose, uh, which is to be like a tree, um, to bear fruits, to grow, and to develop others. So I recall back in. Uh, 2005, um, that was almost 16 years ago, uh, Severin Swan was then the, the yes. head of APEC. Uh, he promoted me to become the GM for Roche Diagnostics Hong Kong. Uh, at that time, I recall I was the, the only Chinese female uh, among the 15 GMs. So at that time, I was doubting myself, can I, can I do the job? And the other challenge that I had was uh, being a single mom. And I was thinking, how am I to cope to bring my two young children and my elderly mother to Hong Kong? But Severin's faith and trust in me actually gave me the confidence to believe in myself. And also, I'm really grateful for that uh, opportunity to get out of my comfort zone. And uh, I think this ties in very nicely with uh, what we do, you know, at IWN uh, to really, you know, be aware of self-limiting uh, beliefs. And I appreciate that he was my ally, you know, to give me that nudge uh, to help me increase, you know, my presence. So I, I really, I really want to give back. Uh, I really hope to be able to pave the way for younger women, you know, in, in the organizations to, to help them 
to take charge and uh, and to lead. Mm. So mm. that's the reason I thought it's so important. Yeah. The importance of allyship, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Bill, so you spoke about why is it so important? Why is uh, DNI so important to you? So, did this passion lead to the founding of IWN at Roche with you as a global sponsor? Well, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think the IWN already existed. Um, and the, basically, what that was was there was a number of uh, sort of women's groups or women's uh, uh, networks and in different countries, different functions. And some of the leaders had kind of bumped into each other and said, Hey, why, you know, why don't we learn from each other and share our experiences? And, and also, uh, I, I think there was already a vision of like, Hey, there's probably other places where there ought to be a, a, a women's group and, and there's not. And so what, you know, what can we do about that? And, uh, and so they had gotten together and then they asked me, uh, a few years ago if I would be the global sponsor. And I was, I was, Really happy to do that because, yeah, I've seen, I've seen the power in the places where we've had it of th- things like your example. You know, you, you had all the talent and all the, you, you had everything you needed, but basically in that case, somebody gave you a boost by just showing the confidence in you. Um, y- you know, that's a small thing to do. In fact, yeah, it's the least thing. And yet sometimes that's what we all need. Is, is a little boost, just an injection of confidence or, uh, or example from someone to say, hey, we, you can do this. And I think that's one of the, the great things that these affinity groups can be for people. Uh, but I, I think the, the greatest impact that IWN has had so far at Roche is sort of getting the word around and, and helping kind of spark, catalyze the formation of, uh, these these uh, women's affinity groups, and I'm. I think. I think the the future is we want to have this everywhere, uh, because. And you say, well, you know, why, you know, why women? And I would say, in most places, in most cultures, there are some special obstacles to be overcome. Like, you know, in many cultures, women, you know, kind of by default take a lead in caring for kids. Well. Does that mean you can't do that and have a great career at Roche? You know, first off, I think having uh, mutual support on like how do we contend with that is important, but also for management to hear, hey, here's the things you can do in our country to help the women that are dealing with that to make sure that they can stay on track and that they are continue to able to grow their careers despite their commitment to wanting to, to be there for their kids. You know, what are the, what are the, um, what are the special obstacles in each country and what are the ways we can lower the barriers? And, and again, sometimes people get confused about that. Oh, are we, are we, you know, are we doing special things for women? No, no, this is, it's very much in the, in the self-interest of the company because more than half of our employees are women. That's more than half our source of talent. And if we don't basically do the things that are important for keeping all the women able to achieve their dreams and their full career potential, it's basically a loss of leadership for the company and for the mission. So, and I think you spoke a little bit about the impact of IWN had in Roche and uh, what's your vision for the future of IWN globally? Yeah, as I said, I, I, I just like to see that every corner of the company that we're doing everything possible to realize the full potential of of the great women of this company. So I think that's a, that's a pretty sweeping sweeping vision. Thank you. 
can I pick up on that, Bill, a little bit and, and turn it around? I mean, IWN has is, is now come to Asia. Agnes is taking the helm on this and, and, and driving it forward. What role do you see this community playing um, in creating a more inclusive environment within, within APAC and maybe within the broader network around the world, as, you, as you've just said, you'd love to see it just exist right across the, the entire Rosh environment? Yeah, I, I think it's a lot of this is about awareness building. Yeah. You know, by, by the way, no one should be confused that, for example, a women's affinity group is only for women. The benefits are for everyone. Mm. Uh, I, I think of some of the, the coaching and, and mentoring that I had on this topic because I haven't experienced the things that, uh, that women experience in trying to build a career. And for me to get advice from women about, hey, here's things you can do. Here's concrete steps you can take. Things about flexible work, things about the child or elder care topics. You know, what are, what are things that we can do? So I, I think in Asia Pacific, there's a clear opportunity, uh, you know, kind of country by country, culture by culture. Hey, what's the best way to do this? And there's not one, just one approach that, that makes sense. But one of the things I would highlight as just a, as a concrete example. So the, the, the groups that, that the folks who've taken up the, the baton here, like, like Agnes this summer, they put together, one of the things they did, they put together these personas, mm-hmm. you know, these are profiles of, you know, specific women and what are the issues they're facing? Could be early career, mid career, later career, uh, different kinds of issues because a lot of these topics can be, kind of scary and like, oh, how do I approach this? And and frankly, there's a lot of controversy in the world about these topics. What's the role of women? What's the role of men? We don't have to solve all those problems. We can focus on, hey, what are what are the the everyday, ordinary challenges that real people face? Mm. And these personas helps to do that. To, it, it sort of takes the the ambiguity or the scariness part out and says, hey, th- this isn't about uh, ideology. This is about basically us helping our our neighbor just being a, a great place to work and providing the conditions that allow people to thrive. Yeah. Yeah. How, how about you, Lance? I mean, you know, you've you talked about how uh, diversity and inclusion is close to your heart. And how, how do you see this playing out in, in yeah, impact? I, I, I see. Um, I think the Asia-Pacific environment, we, we have... I guess like every part of the world, but I only know this one, um, is a lot of diversity from a cultural perspective where maybe women's voices are not heard anyway and which puts another layer of challenges for women in our organisation on top of what may already exist in a systemic way. And, and, and maybe talking about the systemic challenges first is, and I'm not going to try and quote the stats because I'll get them wrong, but I remember reading on on this about generalisations, but inherently women will not believe that they have the same capability to do that next job, whereas the equivalent man, he's 100% convinced he can do it. He may or may not be able to, but he has a much more of a belief element in, in, in this. So, And I think that dynamic, from what I understand, sort of exists largely anywhere around the world. And then on top of that, we've got some countries where you know, the, the culture, the, the, the deeply rooted historical cultural dynamics make it even harder uh, for, for, for women to come to the, to the level at which they choose to come to. And so for me, what I'd like to see this, this do is basically play towards the value of many different lenses that we can look through 
and unlock these voices and, and get people comfortable with a bit more of an understanding. And I think, you know, if we can move the needle, you know, if we, if we can make a 10% difference across the entire region, it's totally different, right, to your earlier point. We don't have to solve all the problems that exist around the challenges that, that may exist for women in the workplace, and we don't have to solve everything. But if we can move the needle a little bit, I think we're going to materially change uh, the shape of the organization for the better for the reasons that we talked about earlier on. So I'm curious, um, how do we truly create an inclusive environment with regard to gender? Agnes, I'm, I'm going off script here. I, I just, I'd like to know what you think because, you know, <laughs> frankly, I value your opinion on this more than I value my opinion on this. Yeah, I... You know, like the example I gave just now about, you know, Sabine Swan being my ally, mm. and uh, even though uh, I myself felt I'm not good enough, yeah, so it just takes someone to, to just to just believe in me. And I think um, to um, Lance's point just now, right, because men and women, their makeup is different, mm. right? Uh, so I remember there was one example while talking to one of colleagues saying that he actually wanted to promote a, a, a lady in his department who is very capable. But the lady came back and told him, please do not promote me because it will make me look bad, um, make my husband look bad. Yeah. So there's mm. that counter mm-hmm. uh, uh, context as well. Mm. So I think mm. um, uh, it's important, right, like to your point, Bill, just now to be like aware, you know, uh, of uh, the culture, different cultural norms, um, which actually added to that layer of complexity, mm-hmm. and then to then uh, be able to facilitate, you know, in uh, within you know the organization, and uh, to uh, be an ally as well, mm-hmm. right? Because I believe both men and women can perform that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of like I remember, mm-hmm. I was uh, I was attending this uh, global meeting once. And then, you know, I remember that was early in my years. I was probably the only Asian, uh, Asian woman. I'm an introvert. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't mm-hmm. really kind of like mm-hmm. talk and express. And I, I felt very uh, small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then there was this, I remember there was this lady who's, because we, we, we broke up into different teams. And there was this lady who I felt she was consciously looking out for me. You know, uh, you know, inviting me, you know, to to uh, give my point, my suggestion, my feedback, and I felt very, very supported. So I think um, my answer would be to kind of be very aware, you know, of the different um, diverse in terms of diversity, and to include others. Yeah, but but then I would also say that it it also starts with self. Right, the mm-hmm. self acceptance is, mm-hmm. is so key. Until and unless we can accept ourselves, it's difficult for others to accept you. And then the other point, of course, is really looking through the eyes of, uh, or rather, heart of compassion to to include you know others, be it different cultures, you know, different countries. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're male or female. I mean, you know, we're all after all human beings, right? Mm. So I feel um, just just to be aware of like who we are. Agnes, I, I love that so many of the things you just shared really have to do that they're not, they're not uh, they're not programmatic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like the ten big changes. You know, you're talking about understanding and education and awareness and and empathy and and um, 
And I think sometimes it's important for an organization like ours at Roche, where we are very action oriented. You know, we have the, these 10 products to launch or these uh, uh, big initiatives to run. But sometimes on diversity and inclusion, we have to slow down long enough to listen to one another. And I know for me, that was really important uh, because you, you describe yourself, I would say, as sort of a modest, uh, uh, you know, introvert, you said. And, and um, I'm, a, I'm not naturally modest, um, although I aspire to be modest, but I'm not naturally modest and I'm not, I, I tend to be rather expressive. And one of the things I had to learn is that, you know, I can, I can talk a lot and I need to stop and say, who, who's not said anything and ask them for their input? Because when I don't do that, it, I lose, you know, cause I, then I don't get the benefit of their knowledge. And we know in the world, there's not a good correlation between who has the, the answer and who speaks up. A lot of times the people who are the first to speak are the ones who probably should be last to speak. And again, this is, these are the, the examples that, uh, I think really make the difference when we're talking about diversity and inclusion. What are we getting at? We're getting at how do you tap into the extreme competence that so many of our people have, but we need to draw that out a bit and it's worth it. I'm excited about the things we can do that are very tangible. You know, it may, it may have to do with some things like childcare or elder care, but there's also a lot which is helping people understand differences and making sure that they, they really, uh, seek out and find the, the best all around them. And regardless of who, who that person is. Yeah. From my side, I guess, it, yeah, I think there's a couple of things that come to mind when you ask, what do we, what do we need to do? Right. How, how do we make this real? And I, and I think we need to acknowledge, and I'm with you, Bill, on this. These topics are, are deep and we all need to understand and learn more about the topics. I'm not sure we will ever truly understand all, all of the nuances, but, you know, we've, we've spoken in some of the other conversations where I, I want to make sure that whatever aspect of diversity and inclusion we are working on, it's not just a cursory tick in a box. And I think we need to peel the layers of the onion back to really explore. And, and in the case of, you know, women in leadership and, and then well, what does that really mean? And so for me, it's, it's a lot of time around, you know, this awareness and a, and a, and a willingness to understand. But I, I draw us back to APAC Spirit. So remember when we, when APAC Spirit came into being and you were part of that, we actively stepped away from diversity for APAC because remember we said, well, we actually, if you sort of, it's a bit of a silly construct because we are diverse, whether we like it or not. When you look at the, the entire makeup of the 16 countries, but we said we are inclusive, and that's the statement in APAC spirit that we all try and live by um, from, from our regional principles. Yet we're having this conversation. So I do think having been become aware and going through a process of trying to understand, then perhaps walking in Severin's shoes and your experience that you described, actually actively going beyond that and looking for opportunities to give uh, 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 talented individuals of, all, of, of regardless of where they're from or what gender they are, but also understanding that if I'm looking at, at a group of talented individuals, knowingly the males might be quite uh, might be a lot more willing to step in front of me 
than the talented females would be. So that having that awareness and being conscious of that and then making sure that we pull out the opportunities for everybody and we don't leave people on, on the side of the road. So I think as leaders in the organization, um, and, and, you know, when I say this, I'm, I'm thinking of our, you know, our APAC leadership team and, and, and the extended leadership group as well. We, we need to work hard on this. And I think if, if we work hard on it, then others in the organization will also do the same thing, but try not to boil the ocean. That's not what it's about. Um, but be thoughtful and, and, and aware and, and maybe take some decisive steps. And, and I see this happening probably at an individual level more than a program initiative type level. And I think then it, then it will be something meaningful. So I know we're, uh, we're coming to uh, end of our time, but I'm, I'm curious for you, Agnes, uh, as the, the women's network in APAC kicks off in 2022, what are your personal aspirations for this community and say one thing that you really want to see change. Yeah, so, um, you know, in my 30 years with Roche, uh, I've uh, got a lot of opportunities to come across uh, many talented uh, individuals as well as uh, leaders. And um, and some might not, you know, be living to the, the fullest potential in a sense. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I'm also thinking why. Because I, I think maybe it could be that... Um, they have uh, self-limiting belief, you know, just like I, you know. Uh, or it, it might be that, uh, you know, they have really genuine barriers uh, that really prevent them from, you know, increasing their visibility. So, um, you know, my uh, aspiration for IWN is that we can, you know, collectively uh, support, uh, encourage women to be more courageous and also empower women to uh, step up. And, uh, and I really find that IWN is such a fantastic platform for us to, you know, to be able to like work closely, collaborate with uh, extended networks uh, or, you know, uh, even uh, groups like DNI, PNC uh, and uh, different women affinity group within APAC. Yeah, so that we can actually kind of leverage, you know, on one another's efforts mm. and then to address, you know, some of these challenges. Yeah. Awesome. And what's what's next on the agenda? What's uh, what's coming up uh, that that we can all look forward to? Yeah. So so I'm really excited uh, to share that uh, we will be rolling out some uh, key initiatives. So the first one is a deeper dive uh, survey because uh, we we really want to understand the unique challenges that women face and their needs where they're operating in the different locations with very diverse. Uh, cultural backgrounds and with that we want to then develop like insights you know to help us to be able to better offer our solutions to you know meet the specific needs of women and then secondly um, you know we we believe in the power of role modeling by women and men you know within Roche you know through storytelling like you know what we're doing right now with this uh, podcast uh, to, to share some of the challenges that they're overcoming and also to promote the inclusivity. And thirdly, we want to um, basically inspire women, help women to grow through one-on-one coaching sessions uh, so as to evoke transformation. And we, we see that um, uh, we can use some of these platforms basically to educate everybody, I mean not just women, educate everybody in terms of uh, unconscious bias, you know, as a really uh, good topic, and also to bring about awareness in terms of uh, gender uh, equality. Uh, of course, starting from from ourselves. Yeah. Excellent. That's really exciting. 
Well, uh, I, I sure enjoyed our conversation today. It's great. It's great to have an opportunity to be back in Asia yeah. and uh, and to see people face to face. And uh, so I'm excited to hear Lance, Agnes, what what you and the the rest of the gang in uh, across pharma, dia, diabetes care are, yeah. are going to do next. Yeah, it's 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 an exciting start. It's going to be really cool. Looking forward to 2022, seeing what comes out of this, and then how we continue to grow the momentum. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'd like to really thank you, Bill. Thank you, uh, Lance, for um, you know being part of our inaugural uh, podcast, and to all the listeners. We're really honoured to to have both uh, gentlemen uh, on this uh, podcast. So do uh, stay tuned because we're going to roll out activities and uh, you expect to hear from us. And um, please uh, participate in some of these activities and uh, see you soon. Thanks very much, Agnes. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.